Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. G'day everyone, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz. Nice to have you company live from our Brangaroo studios. You've tuned in for the call. Uh, 10 stocks uh, picked by you. I put them to our expert panel all in one hour. Let's get straight into it. These folks always have a lot to say, good stuff to say. Uh, the ETF whisperer, Andrew Wyland from uh, DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, good to see you. Koshi, thanks, and I appreciate you sort of adding the rider as to what we've got to say. I do appreciate that. As do my <laughs> Didn't want to leave it hanging. Uh, and your old sparring uh, partner, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, is with us. Henry, good to see you. A uh, lot to get through. Um, first five stocks, uh, Galileo Mining, and um, I, I can feel a song coming up yeah. from Henry, Henry Jennings. Uh, Patriot Battery Metals, Collins Foods, uh, the Vanguard International Shares, and the Global X S&P uh, ETF. But uh, stock of the day today, what's happened to CSL in focus? Uh, CSL saying it now expects a higher foreign exchange headwind in the fiscal year ahead between with forecasts between $230 and $250 million, up on the $175 million signalled at uh, the time of its first half results in February. Uh, looking further ahead, the outlook a bit more rosy with a higher net profit in fiscal 24. Preliminary forecast uh, 24 could be as high as $3 billion, which would represent 18% growth. Um, shares have taken an absolute shellacking today. Um, just at the time, uh, Andrew Weiler, when everyone on the charts has been talking about CSL forming a new base around that 310 level, was it going to be the next leap up, a break out of its cycle between 280 and 310 and shoot the lights out? Um, what a what a, a bunch of downers they were with the news today. What do you think of it? Yeah, Koshi, I mean, certainly the chart was trying to improve, but uh, obviously the chart can't tell you uh, what uh, the impact of the Aussie dollar was going to have on their earnings. And as we've seen today, shares down about 7 odd percent. It's just looking before, prior to today's announcement, over the last three months, um, average EPS expectations had grown by 3%. So that's sort of interesting in itself that uh, analysts didn't pick up that move in the dollar and what the impact was going to be. Bottom line, it's a quality business, but always hostage to what's going to be happening with currency. If you could be sort of getting it in that 250, 260, ideally, that's Andrew the miserable, Andrew the realistic, there'll probably be another couple of days of, uh, of weakness as uh, EPS um, earnings downgrades come through. And if you can get it 260s, 270s, I'd be all over this one like a cheap suit. It is a quality business under pressure in the short term, but long term, uh, what's it delivered long term? So over the last five years, it's returned around 11.5% per annum. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, it's a really good business. So it's 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 a watch, but uh, come back to me in a couple of days' time. Two fifty to two seventy. That's uh, the buy range. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Henry? Is is this a buying opportunity? Um, I think, as Andrew rightly points out, it probably is, but it takes a few days to wash through with some broker downgrades to come. But the problem, I guess, is that CSL always upgrades. It never disappoints. Right. Um, and this time it has disappointed. And, and I think one of the keys is the US is not having the recession. Hmm. Now, you've still got 3.7% unemployment in the US, which is pretty low considering. And a lot of their uh, profitability from the plasma division uh, comes from the donate, I was going to say donations, but not donations. They pay people to give blood in the States. They've got a a massive plasma collection business there um, and they pay people in the US. Now, when the economy is going well, to entice more people, you have to pay them more money. And of course, you've got inflationary pressures in terms of labor costs and wage costs. You've got to entice those. Margins have been falling in that business, which had been a really good business, and it's still the core of CSL. Uh, but that has been under pressure. And when you've got the US still going gangbusters, really, in some yeah. respects. Well, that inflation figure overnight was Yeah, I mean, we're, that's where, we're a rounding error yeah. away now, really, from 2 to 3% in terms, of, uh, in terms of the target. So CSL stumbled. Uh, I don't think it's falling into a heap, but as Andrew says, let's wait a couple of days, see where it settles. But around 275, I mean, it's probably great buying there. But certainly, you know, the foreign currency shouldn't come as a big surprise. I mean, no. I mean, FX trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pretty much. So yeah. we, you can factor that in. But I think what is a bigger surprise is the pressures on margins in that plasma business in the US, which has seen the increasing costs of getting people across the line to donate blood, yeah. sorry, sell blood, yeah. um, as opposed to what happened before COVID and even you know the COVID disruption we saw when people couldn't get out and donate uh, is obviously waned, but those yeah. cost pressures are still there. Uh, can we bring out the five-year chart again? Because um, just uh, uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest, uh, big supporter of CSL, that's sort of in their wheelhouse, yep. a company like this. But as he always said, it always comes back to that 250, 260. And you look at over five years, you know, it gets up to the 300, 310. There are times every year that it pulls back to these levels, doesn't it? There and are presents times. a buying opportunity. And there are times when it presents a buying opportunity. As I say, I mean, they've got a new CEO <laughs> as well, so you've got to feel a bit sorry for him. Yeah. Because the last CEO delivered... Surprise after yeah. surprise after surprise to the upside. Is he cleaning out though? Um, I don't think this is a clean out, to be right. honest. I think this is, you know, but they bought a big business with the Vifor business yeah. in Europe. Uh, so obviously that does have some uh, complications as far as foreign exchange goes. But, you know, the, the, the analysts should have factored this in. It's not like yeah. it's a, a new thing right. for them. But I think the plasma collection business in the US is slightly worrying. I think I read that the, the margins have gone down from 57% to around 50%. Right. So it's still a great business right. yeah, and it's yeah. still a great company with great management. But you can see that um, if, if the US yep. is still going gangbusters, it is harder to get people to, uh, to give sell mm. their blood. And it is amazing the difference between the Australian economy and the US economy. Inflation coming down, likely the end of the interest rate cycle because they're not, <laughs> don't have a treasury department handing out wage rises. No. Like, like Oprah, a uh, wage rise for you and a wage rise for you and a wage. 
and then they blame the Reserve Bank for putting up interest rates because inflation is sticky because yeah. of wage rises. I know, I know, it's crazy. And it is And we will go into a recession. I know. Well, I, I suspect we will be a shallow one. Yeah. Hopefully. hopefully. But anyway, we'll see. It's a lot but it's time. ironic that it's National Blood Donation Day today. As well. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> bit of irony there. Oh, okay. It, it is the, All right. Let's get into the stocks you want us to uh, have a look at. And first, uh, an old fight. We'll, we'll go to Henry first on this one. Aaron wants to be on Galileo Mining. Uh, Henry's mentioned it a fair bit in the past. Uh, Aaron says, does it have any potential as a speculative mining stock? Or is it, or is it time to give it a wide berth? Um, WA leases uh, the Norseman Project, a, a gold mining company. Go into it. Go yep. into your queen. Galileo, <laughs> Galileo Figaro. Um, it, is, it is hard to mention this one without doing Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, I've got exactly. to say. And whenever oh, I no. mention it on our podcast or whatever in the morning or the afternoon <laughs> podcast, I do lapse into a bit yeah, of yeah. queen. Um, <laughs> this one has been suffering, right. I guess is fair to say. Um, the good thing about it is that Mark Creasy, who is one of the names in mining exploration and, and one of the, the absolute legends in the mining industry, this is his um, one of his vehicles. He's got right. a big shareholding in this. So this is, this is a, a significant positive. I, I suspect we are seeing, Aaron, at the moment, a little bit of end of year selling, right. a bit of tax loss selling. Obviously, the gold price isn't really playing ball for them either because that's coming down not only in... US dollar terms, but it's also fallen, uh, you know, 120 odd bucks in Aussie dollar terms because the Aussie is so strong. So it, it's definitely not one to write off. It's a speculative end. Callista is the uh, Callisto is the project they're working on. Good results. Mark Creasy clearly is a massive tick in the box, and people get very excited. But it will be driven by drill results and sentiment in the gold sector, which is not that flash right, right. at the moment, and hasn't been for the last month or so. And I suspect. We are seeing some tax loss selling. Interestingly, you know, you go, this time of year, you tend to go through those stocks that are really been dogs in the kennel club and that um, have really underperformed all year. And you look and see if there's potential for a bounce going forward because once you know, July, June 30 gets out of the way, then you can get a fresh yep. money in. Uh, this one probably falls into that category. But yeah. um, you, know, you wouldn't get too carried away. But it was you know, 80 cents back in May and now it's yeah. 60 odd cents. So. It's got potential, I think, upside. So I wouldn't be throwing it away. Speculative buy. Okay. Uh, Andrew, spec buy for you? Uh, you're trying to verbal me, Kosh. You know, <laughs> throwing down the, throwing down the gauntlet. Three days into retirement and we see the new Kosh coming out. I mean, I, sorry, that was unfair. Yeah, yeah um, no. no I, what am I doing here? I, I, I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's way I roll. I think it's. I think it's a hold. Um, I mean, the chart just looks dreadful. Um, but certainly, for all the reasons that Henry just put out before around Creasy, uh, is holding twenty-seven percent of the business is certainly a significant one for me. I am a little, little troubled that they've only got about one and a half years of cash in the bin. So you know they're going to have to go out and uh, raise some money. How are they going to go and do that? You know, as Henry says, they could have some great uh, uh, results and that might help propel things along. But uh, at the moment, I can't go spec by, sorry, but I would say it's a hold. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, second stock up on the rack from Don and Andrew. 
Uh, Don wants a view on Patriot battery metals. Um, I wonder if they recently put battery in there because that seems to be a, <laughs> a, a hot word at the moment. Um, um, focused on acquisition development of mineral projects containing the battery base and precious metals. Um, they've got um, uh, areas in, in Quebec and Idaho. Um, what do you think of bat, uh, Patriot battery metals? I'll hand most of this over to my friend Henry, but I'll just briefly, I will pass judgment on it. But just before we get on to that, interesting you talk about companies having sort of uh, buzz names in their um, press releases or names, et cetera. There was recently a study that was just released that basically looked back at the early 2000s, you know, when the tech boom was on and anything that had web or anything like that, you know, it would just go ballistic. No one would even read the announcement, but just sort of look at the key words and you're seeing it again more recently around AI and uh, yeah. language models and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I digress. Um, it certainly looks interesting um, and certainly in particular its location. You know, it's only sort of 15-odd k's away relating to power and transport and certainly the chart's looking a lot friendlier than, than Galileo. Um, yeah, look, I, I think it's probably a hold, but again, we're sort of drifting out of Andrew's world. We're certainly well into Henry's world, so I might yeah. hand it over to the Lion King okay. to, uh, for his system. <laughs> what do you think of Patriot? Uh, well, this is another cue for a song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Little Red Corvette, uh, Prince. Uh, this uh, has got a project called Corvette in Quebec. Now, the, right. the great thing about Canada is that it's a mining friendly jurisdiction, probably more so than the US, and it's on the doorstep of the US. Right. So for all intents and purposes, let's face it, it is the US. Um, James Bay is where it is. <laughs> little bit of trouble at the moment, a bit of smoke around. So there's a bit of disruption to some of their operations uh, because of the wildfires that are going on in Canada at the moment. But the great attraction for this one, why the market got really excited, is Ken Brinsden is on the board. Now, Ken was the guy that got Pilbara Minerals Oh, okay. sorted. Right. And then once it was sorted and producing, my my work here is done. Right. So then he's so he moved moves across to Patriot Battery Metal. Okay. Uh, a lot so of he actually delivers the mines, does he? Is that uh, his... That is what he did with Pilbara. He, right. he went from so the you know, a... explorer to a constructor right. to Because as producer. you always say, that's the highest risk time, isn't it? You can promise the earth, but when you've got to deliver with a yep. mine, yep. it's quite complex. It's quite complex. He delivers. He delivers. And that's the attraction. And once you're a producer, then it's maybe a different skill set that's your only the challenge, you know, is, is to tweak the machine a little bit so you get a little bit more production and right. get the right grade as opposed to going out pegging ground, finding right. exciting stuff uh, and taking it through to production. So, so Ken is there. That has been the big attraction for the market. Good results coming out of Corvette. It is in Canada, mining friendly. James Bay is rapidly becoming kind of the area you want to be in in Canada. Right, right. And uh, this one looks good. Uh, brokers love it. Right. Um, if you get a chance to buy it on any weakness, I think this is certainly one to be looking at. And it's At um, these levels? At these levels, what is it, a dollar eighty or something? It's, yeah, I, I think lithium is due for a revival. Oh. I think we could see this one go higher. For me, this is still a spec buy. Okay, all right. Um, next talk, uh, getting away from the resources group into uh, fast food, um, is um, Nathan 
Andrew wants a view on Collins Foods, the uh, owner of uh, KFC and KFC restaurants um, in here, Germany, the Netherlands, Taco Bell as well. After the Domino's announcement earlier in the week, uh, how do you rate Collins Foods? Yeah, that was uh, really interesting yesterday, Koshi, with uh, with Domino's, uh, seeing that basically volumes are starting to come off mm. and the only thing that's sort of holding revenue up is relating to price increases. And yet, you know, fast food has always been held out as something defensive. So it really does show that the consumer is under extreme pressure if they're not willing to uh, go out and buy their favourite pizza of choice. Um, If we then sort of deal specifically with Collins Foods, it's always the way with these types of businesses whereby they've got that winning formula, so in this case KFC, um, and then they try and diversify, understandably so. You know, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, semi-pun there for those paying attention. Um, But Taco Bell is just not working for them, and so, you know, they're starting to, they're sort of having to um, ride off some of their exposure there. Um, Obviously, they've been sort of closing off the Sizzler, uh, business here in Australia. Yeah. So no one likes a buffet anymore, do they? No, no, no one likes a buffet. <laughs> Post-COVID. <laughs> I'm the old world. Um, so, look, uh, it's a good business. It's yeah. a really good business, but it's just it's just under pressure. Uh, pro, pro, um, supply chain issues relating to input pricing, obviously wages that you just spoke about before. It's just under immense pressure at the moment. Probably the one positive, Koshi, is that short interest. In other words, people betting that it's going to fall. Short interest is falling after being quite high. It's actually starting to come back off again. Mm. Uh, But look, on balance, I think it's a hold. You probably want to be buying it in the sevens. If you could sort of get it 750, it's probably the mark. But at the moment, it's a hold for all the things that we just spoke about, the macro. Yep, terrific management. uh, best in class, uh, great sporting sponsorships, uh, underpinning their growth. Um, <laughs> thank you, KFC, for being a major sponsor of Port Adelaide. I was going to uh, say, lovely. A, yes, exactly. Let's declare us uh, an interest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shut Don't up, declare and take my, my money. Interest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a tr- I don't think Collins Foods has quite the same problems that um, Domino's has. Right. Part of Domino's problem was that they got the pricing structure completely wrong. The bundles were wrong. They whacked up a big delivery charge to take into account the inflationary pressures. People went, you know what? I can't. I'm not going to do it. Yep. You know, I'm not going to buy a $4 pizza and pay $5 to have it delivered. So that's where they've struggled. Um, KFC, we've got the ashes coming. Yes. Yeah. It's off very soon. Yeah. Now, that's a good Next reason week. to sit in front of your telly. Yeah. Wimbledon, good reason to sit in front of your telly. What more would you want than a big bucket of Fried chicken. Uh, uh, you I've sold you. straight to my heart. Straight to you. Yep, Shut up exactly and take right. my money. Yep. <laughs> I think, um, you know, this one is a hold. It's, it's hard to get massively excited because of what Andrew's talking about in terms of wages. Now yep. we've got a minimum wage rise coming through, so that's increasing cost pressures. But where um, Domino's was struggling because of dairy, perhaps with the big price rises we've yep. seen in dairy in products, yep. not quite such an issue maybe for KFC. Um, not quite such an issue, but they do have issues. It's probably a hold at these levels. Right. The results due on the 27th of June. So okay, not uh, far we'll, away. We'll, we'll hear more from and, them. And is it being caught up in the yes. sort of the Domino's backlash as I well? I expect it has. And all those reasons that people wanted to buy Domino's because it's cheap, 
and it appeals to people under cost pressures and then cost of living, etc., um, applies really to KFC as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think there is that. But people want to eat a little bit healthier these days, I think, although there is obviously you know price pressures there as well. But um, for me, it's probably a hold. Wait for the results. But I think it's probably being sat on a little bit because of the dominoes issues, which are not, you know, yeah. KFC's got their own issues as well around... Um, that, but not quite the same problems with hmm. the Got delivery it. charge, the dairy component. Um, so yeah, it's certainly a hold, whereas I think Domino's are still going to struggle. Okay. All right. We've got a uh, batch of ETFs here. Uh, first one, Artie wants a view, Whisperer, on the Vanguard MSCI International Shares ETF. Koshy, koshy, koshy. You you've fallen into the trap of the whisperer in following Mr. Jennings' bad lead. Um, so uh, look, VGS. So this is uh, one of our core holdings in our model portfolio. So there's two versions of this Vanguard: VGS unhedged, VGAD hedged. So relating to the question, you know, what we're really saying is we don't really mind where the dollar's going. Um, sorry, we, we, we think the, the dollar's going to fall, basically, if you're holding this one, if it's unhedged, whereas if we wanted the hedged version, we wanted to take that um, uncertainty out of it, you pay three basis points more on cost. So certainly for some clients, VGAD might be appropriate, but if you think the Aussie dollar is going to remain under pressure, then VGS might be the way to go. Holds around 1,470-odd companies around the world, 70% plus in the US. Uh, Main holdings, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA. Uh, So in other words, it's very heavy on the tech, but that's obviously a function of US markets at the moment, very heavy on the tech. Uh, And it's up around 14% per annum over the last five years. Uh, Sorry, up 11% rather per annum over the last five years. So for us, Australia is 2% of the world. uh, So you're trying to make sure you're giving yourself that international exposure. Uh, We quite like this one because uh, with due respect to Australia, we're pretty underweight tech. We had another one go TNT uh, yesterday. So certainly if you're trying to give yourself exposure to tech, this is a good way to do it in a fairly diversified manner. You just need to think about, do you have a view as to where the dollar's going? If you don't have a view as to where the dollar's going for three basis points more, you could just basically buy VGAD and not have to worry about that. So okay. it's for us, it's in the model, it's a buy. Okay, so no. would you would you go hedged or not? Considering it looks so, like inflation has peaked in America coming down, the federal pause interest rates, completely the opposite here. Uh, inflation not coming down as quickly as possible, looks like Reserve Bank will keep going. I think if the if the Aussie dollar sort of got above 70, I'd probably start getting a bit nervy, nervy because that seems to be sort of the long-term average. Yeah. Uh, but where are we at the moment? 67, 68, yep, 60, something like yeah. that. So, look, for the time being, I'd probably um, sort of hold the line and certainly I hold unhedged in my own portfolio. But certainly for, say, clients with a balanced, in our balanced portfolios, we don't even, we just buy VGAD, whereas clients with sort of that more growth focus, we buy VGS. And again, bearing in mind, we've got that five to seven year view. So you've just asked me a very short term question, but over the cycle, generally, unhedged seems to be the way to go, albeit when there's pockets of time, can get away on you. Okay. Henry? An ETF with fourteen hundred stocks out. That's a that's, that's a um, big portfolio, isn't it? That is a big portfolio. Um, 
I mean, that, that's oh, it's had amazing performance. Yeah. Um, in, in that, considering how much sort of vanilla essence is in that, you know, fourteen hundred stocks, and they all mm. got to do well. Uh, the the reality is that this is seventy percent the U.S. as Andy says, um, and Japan, which is at a level we haven't seen since Pretty Woman came out. Total Recall, 1990 was wow. the last time we saw the Japanese market at these levels. This is astonishing. Jeez. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of Japanese in here. There's a lot of American. There's a bit of UK in there. And UK is doing well as well, surprisingly, in the index-wise, FTSE. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing not to like about this. It, it, it's fine. It, it's, it's great. It does what it says on the tin. It does it cheaply. You're getting instant international exposure to all the big companies. I think Apple's around 5.5% of this yeah. biggest company in the world. So you are getting all that exposure to all that technology in the US and you're getting a but Japanese But you've got to be bigger. confident the boom's going to continue. You've got to be confident that the equity markets are going to continue higher. Yeah. Yes. And if, if you're worried about... Boom levels at the moment. Sort of when, when the UK's in recession, Europe's in recession, Germany's in recession. Yeah. I mean, what, what happens in the real world is sometimes very divorced from what's happening in the stock market because yeah. we look through and we look ahead. You know, we're looking at a year out, 18 months out, and we're looking at inflation coming way back down to two to three percent we're looking at interest rates coming down company profits are still doing pretty well the margins funnily enough have been pushed up because they can and that's helped you know that's helped push inflation up um so you know this one does what it says on the box very u.s centric if the u.s market continues to go up it's the biggest market in the world 70 percent okay this will keep going nicely so yes for you as well supplementary mr kosh supplementary supplementary certainly Wheeland at the back there, yes, you. Um, so if, if, you're, if you're worried about the US, and I can think of lots of reasons to be mindful of the US, uh, another one to look at might be VEU. So it's basically sort of the MISCI XUS. So it's uh-huh. Japan, UK, China. The other thing, just very briefly, I was at a conference in Melbourne last week and they were talking about economic growth, world economic growth, uh, this year 3%, expected to be 2% next year, most of the developed world 1%. However, um, really talking up the ASEAN countries. Mm. Uh, so on the drop tomorrow at 10.50, three of my favourite ETFs to play that thematic. Oh, okay. There's a tease. Ooh. Tomorrow for the drop. Excellent. All right. So did you end up a buy for... Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, the, the market, we've, we've had the CPI from the US, the, the FOMC will be a pause or a skip yeah. or whatever it's going to be. Um, and, you know, that does kind of unleash the dogs of yes. war. That does yeah, yeah. cry Absolutely. havoc and let slip. Yep. All right. Um, uh, Andrew, uh, Ren wants a view on the Global X S&P Biotech ETF. So this is another one in our model, albeit with a much lower weighting. You can imagine that VGAD, VGS, you know, being a core would have a much higher weighting. This one is a much smaller, more tactical weighting. Uh, quite like it. The performance, though, doesn't really belie how it's performed. I mean, it says there over the last 12 months it's done pretty well. If you look over three years, it's down about 5% per annum. But we really like the, the sort of the space in which it's in, that sort of genomic science uh, so in other words, all the sort of the, the biotechnology, uh, computational genomics, 
uh, all the buzzwords. But we, we think that as an area of growth over the next five to 10 years, this sort of biotechnology space is absolutely where you want to be. Um, it's got companies that are based in the US, again, obviously heavy US, Ireland, Switzerland. It's only got about $43 million funds under management, which isn't really surprising given the performance hasn't been um, overwhelming over the last three years, but might be just one for the bottom draw relating to sort of um, improvements in medical science. So uh, it's a buy, Koshi. Okay. And Henry, whenever we talk biotechs on on this show, everyone goes, too risky, too risky. You should, if you're going to want to dabble in this, um, have a little basket to hedge your bets, is this the perfect basket? Well, I guess it, it's a basket. I don't know if it's the perfect basket. Um, another musical uh, influence on this one, The Cure. So uh, great <laughs> band, Robert Smith um, from the UK, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so There's get fair, close fair to you. A fair bit of that in your repertoire. Well, in, a, it, there in is. the all sorts. There, there is a bit of that in my repertoire. Um, so this one's interesting. It has been a bit of a dog, to say the least. Yep. Uh, over the last, uh, since inception, it is up 3.1%, uh, 2.7%. Right. Not great. No. Last year has been great. Now, the, the question, I guess, you have to ask if you're going into this is, is one is whether it's the right basket of stocks, which it may or may not do. But also, I think that the key to this is how much AI is going to affect this sector. Mm, How much AI is going to speed up drug trials, uh, genomic uh, sequencing, the whole, how much that's going to have an effect. And when you talk to the experts and they talk about, you know, where AI is going to be used a lot, apart from from journalists, you know, cribbing and cheating, et cetera. Um, this area, medicine and medical yeah. science, does pop up an awful lot. So yeah, on yeah. that basis... This is the good part of AI. This is right. the good part of AI. So on that basis, I think I'm with Andrew. You'd have to be a buy. It has been a bit of a dog mm. in the past. Last year has been good. Uh, but you're taking a punt that AI is going to really have a big influence on this sector um, okay. So I think it is a buy. So the second ETF buy in a row. Um, goodness me, Andrew, you're really starting to get to him from um, actually bemoaning ETFs. He's now got two straight ones. That's excellent. Well, Koshi, well done. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's only human, Koshi. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm pragmatic as well. <laughs> pragmatic. That's more like it. All right, uh, let's take a look at our first five stocks, stock of the day, CSL, after that uh, disappointing uh, update today. It's down about 8% at the moment. Um, Andrew and Henry are saying, wait for a couple of days. It's a it's a terrific company, uh, one of the leading ones in the country. It still will likely be weak over the next couple of days as analysts uh, downgrade their forecasts. If you can pick it up, around that 260, 270 mark, uh, then they would be uh, buying at those levels, but not right at the moment. Let it settle down a bit further. Uh, Galileo Galileo Mining, uh, a hold from Andrew, um, a heavenly buy from from Henry. Uh, Pedro Batteries, a spec buy from Henry, a hold from Andrew. Collins Foods, a hold from both. If it gets down, Andrew would like to... uh, to add to his stock, um, add Column Foods as a buy if it gets down to around 750. And the uh, Vanguard International shares a buy from both Global X, Biotech a buy from both as well. 
Uh, here at the call, we're tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee, which uh, Henry's on. You can see the most recent committee meeting on the platform osbiz.com um, in that June meeting. Uh, South 32 was replaced by Altium. Uh, Woodside Energy removed its weighting of 3% split between CSL Linus and West Farmers. Uh, Elders was out its weighting split between newly added Avita Medical and RPM Global. And the fund is up 10.5% at this stage. Uh, this half hour, we'll be taking a look at the Vanek Global Clean Energy ETF. That will be the last of the ETFs um, <laughs> for the program. Then O Media, Magellan Financial Group, uh, Solvar and Judo Capital. Uh, Andrew Frankie wants a view on the uh, the Vanek Global Clean Energy ETF. Again, a lot of good buzzwords there. And again, that's part of the appeal of these, Koshi, that if you can't get the name right, yep. uh, people aren't going to look at it. So certainly um, uh, hats off to Vanek for getting that one right. Look, I, I think the thematic is strong. I certainly get that. Um, the actual performance has been sort of meh. Uh, you know, it's up about 6% per year. Index is up about 12% per annum. That's a technical finance term uh, for the last sort of 10 years. And look, it's all in the right spaces. But I guess the thing that sort of just more broadly concerns me is just the cost involved in implementing all these various technologies. There'd be supply chain issues, um, obviously wages, inflation, all that sort of stuff that we've been talking about across the whole economy. So I don't know if there's a better way of playing it, like buying like a BHP as an example, which is sort of supplying the underlying raw materials for, you know, wind or semiconductors or whatever the case may be. So I'm going to say this is probably a hold. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, I, I get the thematic, uh, I'm on board with the thematic, but I think there are other ways to play this. And certainly the performance would sort of support that. So I think it's a hold, Koshi. Okay. Uh, Henry, uh, to get a hold out of Andrew's like is, is, is like a no or a sell in stocks or something. Well, well, it, well it is an ETF land, but yeah. you know, not all, not all ETFs are created equal, let's face it. You right. know, some are dogs, some are bad themes, right. some have just got a catchy name, um, a catchy sort of uh, four letter code. This one I think has got a catchy name, catchy four letter code, and I'm an avoid on this one. Right. Um, it's you know it's clean technology. Everyone goes, oh yeah, I want to I want to invest in clean technology, uh, ETF. That's the way to go. Fantastic. Yep. But it has been a bit of a dog, okay. to be honest. It has gone nowhere, and I suspect it's going to continue to go nowhere. Um, you know, Japanese, Canadian, U.S. Uh, clean technology companies. And and the thing about technology at the moment, and we've seen it in the last month or so. It's changing so quickly. Mm, mm. You know what? What is good one day is going to be even Twiggy Forrest called um, Elon Musk a muppet. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was great. It's a great clip. It's a great clip talking about hydrogen in terms yeah. of you know the clean energy technology transition that we're trying to achieve. So yeah, this this is a no from me. I don't know much about the companies. The the, the code's good. The theme's good. Just I think as Andrew says, there's probably better ways to play it, which I can kind of feel a little bit more in more touch directly. with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Henry Leds wants a view on O Media, the out-of-home advertising company, which is uh, basically all the electronic billboards, 30,000 outdoor advertising sites across Australia 
and New Zealand. Um, and uh, billboards are all digital now. You never see the blokes up there sort of po- pasting the paper <laughs> oh, anymore, it was, is it? It was, it was great. Yeah, I was, yeah. was fascinated by watching those guys. Yeah, yeah. When they're a quarter of the way through, yeah. it used to be a, a car game of ours with the kids. What do you think will end up yeah. there? But and then now, there'll be a corner that starts to unravel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to go back up the ladder. Um, I think this one has got a corner that's starting to unravel, to, to be right. honest. Um, you know, we're in an economy that is slowing. We're in an economy, we know there's headwinds out there. We know that advertising is tough out there um, in free-to-air, etc. cetera. Um, I think this one is suffering because of it. It's had a bit of a downgrade. Um, I would mm, steer... bit of a downgrade there on that chart, wasn't yeah, it? Guess was, where the downgrade was. was. a bit of a downgrade. <laughs> $1.70 back down to $1.20. So that was a fair downgrade. Uh, I would be avoiding this one. I think if you're looking for um, stocks to invest in, advertising at the moment is just a bit too struggle street for me. I I just can't see the catalyst unless miraculously Phil Lowe has some sort of epiphany one night and decides that he's done all the damage he needs to do and he's going to start uh, cutting rates and making people Mm. a little happier. You know, at the moment, I think advertisers are pulling back their spending because consumers are pulling back. Yeah. So why fire blanks into uh, into a wall? There's no you'd, point. You you get the the feeling, and and I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, just to declare that, um, there's bound to be some rationalisation in this sector when you when yeah. you and some smart private equity mob come along and. Put three or four of them together. Restructure it, stick it, loads yeah. of debt in it. Yeah. Um, and then in two or three years' time, when it's all, all the fog is cleared, they'll float them back on the market. Yeah. 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 Uh, that certainly is a possibility. There is, yeah. you know, consolidation could happen in this sector. But I think at the moment, if I was a private equity guy, I'd kind of be looking and seeing how the lie yeah. of the land in the next yeah. three or four months at least. Because you've got O-Media, Southern Cross is way yeah, down a few of them at the there. moment. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of O-Media? I was just thinking, Koshi, that was that ticking sound you may have heard through your microphone. Um, what's the impact of work from home on these guys and girls? I mean, yeah. this uh, article in the press the last couple of days around the top 11 companies in the ASX, interesting number, the top 11 companies, the average work from home is two days a week. Yeah. So, you know, how does that work for O-Media with uh, exposure at airports and train stations, et cetera, if for 40% of the time people yeah. are sitting in their lounge room, not really yeah. capturing them? So that certainly in itself is a challenge. Um, I, I note that they're down 20% per annum over the last five years, which sounds pretty underwhelming. It is underwhelming. If you compare that to the ASX S&P 200 over the same period of time, it's up about 7% per annum. So that in itself is a bit of an amber light, plus everything else that Henry just spoke about. So it is a hold at best. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend of mine that's come up with a new term for the work from home thing, right. and he calls them twats. Right. What's that seven? They work Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays <laughs> from, from the office, and Mondays and Fridays they're at home. So he calls them twats. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love very it. Good. All right. Yeah, I might steal that one. You can all steal right, that one. Thank it's you. Um, all right. Talking um, uh, of companies that have fallen from grace, Andrew, uh, Shanava has wants to be on Magellan Financial Group. Um, 
they say, it is, is it still worth hanging on to this stock? Oh. Boy, you've been patient if you're still into it uh, in the hope of some re- sort of recovery. I've still got the scars on my palm from catching the falling knife and I was out ages ago. Uh, in the next couple of years, or maybe a takeover target for another fund manager. So this conference I was at last week was uh, sponsored by Standard & Poor. So obviously they have a vested interest in talking about passive investing and indices, et cetera. Yeah. But again, they keep talking, and it's really salient stuff, this SPIVA research, S-P-I-V-A. And SPIVA basically does uh, surveys all around the world. The Australian version talks about active versus passive managers and how likely is it that an active manager will outperform the index over a given period of time. Yeah. And there are pockets of time where active managers do really well short term, but over the last 15 years, active managers have underperformed the index, wait for it, 86% of the time. Wow. Now, that therefore means there's 14% out there that can do it, and good luck to them. Sadly, Magellan doesn't seem to be sort of in that um, realm, and that's why you're seeing the charts uh, that we're seeing at the moment. Um like even just on evaluation, you're being asked to pay 10 times earnings even now, despite them continuing to lose FUM relative to their peer group, which is at nine times earnings. So you're still being asked to pay a premium even today. Certainly, um, you know, the newish managers would be now ex-future fund. So they've got the right pedigree there. I just think it's a really tough macro environment. And as a consequence, uh, I'm really, and I'd say this, if you put perpetual in front of me, any one of these active managers, I mean, there's particular circumstances. I think previously we've spoken about platinum. Uh, so there are potential one-off situations, but generally speaking, active managers, it's just the world of pain. Another statistic that came out of this conference last week, there was $1.2 trillion worth of inflows into ETFs over the last 12 months, $800 billion worth of outflow from managed funds. Right. And so you right. can just see the writing on the wall for these guys and girls across that whole sector. There will be consolidation. I'm not sure Magellan's going to be part of it, but you certainly don't want to be there at the moment. And the other thing, Koshi, briefly, is that coming into 30 June, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, all these ones that are getting beaten up will absolutely continue getting beaten up into 30 June as people are cleaning house coming into end of financial year. So so you'd sell if if you've ridden the whole thing down. Uh, obviously, you don't get in with new money, but if you're there, do you just sell and go, I can do better with my money? So, Koshi, really comes down to opportunity cost. It's really sort of looking and saying, well, if I was to buy VGS, you know, VGS yeah. we know has done 11% per annum over the last five years, I'm going to get a lot more diversification. It's not a fair comparison, but just picking on one of the ones we spoke about today. Yeah. You know, is it like I've already told you it's 10% overvalued versus its peers. So if it was to come back to its peer valuation, it's potentially got another 10% to go. Or historically, VGS has put on 11% per annum. Yeah. That to me is yeah. a pretty easy decision. Yeah. Get out. Uh, Henry? Another musical stock. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> um, Funds under management, we yes. should say. Yes. Uh, I think Magellan's an interesting one. I think it is only on on a number of things. Um, One is that the bleeding seems to have slowed to a trickle. Um, Mm. They're not bleeding in stove funds. Right. Uh, Funds going out. Funds going out. Stabilised. Which is good. So that's stabilised. The whole 
I guess the company feels stabilized, that it's mm-hmm. not in the news every day, uh, which is good. They've got a new team, and Nikki Thomas is back as well, which is good. Obviously, there's still the Hamish cloud. Yep. But the one thing Magellan are really, really good at, and still are really good at, and throughout all this um, debacle they've had, marketing. Mm. And that's the, the key to being a successful fund manager is to get your wiggly line to outperform the market wiggly line. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the simple thing. And then you market the hell out of it. And they were really good at that, and they still are. But is their wiggly line improving? Their wiggly line is improving. It does take a while because of the past wiggly line wiggled down. Yeah. Um, the wiggles, uh, more music, uh, has to start. To, it takes a while to go back yeah, up again. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, over time, it's stabilized. And the other thing, of course, they've got going for them is they are leveraged to equity markets. So if yeah. we do see the rhetoric change about the Fed, about inflation, about global growth and the outlook and China stimulating a little bit, equity markets will push higher. You know, we've got Japan massively high at the moment. We've yeah. got the US in places really, really high. But, you know, across the the, the, the bulk, yep. it's not gone anywhere. So we could see a broadening of the rally. Uh, so I think that would be good for Magellan. Mm. So I wouldn't be, I would certainly be a hold here, a very strong hold. Strong uh, hold. And if we did see any tax loss selling into the next two weeks, which I think, you know, we've probably got another week to go of that. Right. Um, so if it dropped 10% on Andrew's example. It's actually doing okay because okay. The, the inflows uh, or the outflows rather have stopped um, being quite so aggressive. I, I think this one could easily pop back up to nine, so do, 10 bucks. Oh, okay. Uh, that'd be useful. Um, yeah. Do they own a stake in Baron Joey or do Baron Joey own a stake in them? No, they own a stake in Baron, Baron Joey. So they have a lot of private equity stuff too. In yeah, there, don't yeah, they, they but, do have a bit. Yeah, they do right. have stuff that can't be you know, in their funds that may not be easy, easily right. okay. valued. But they are geared <clears throat> to equity markets. And here we are All languishing right. at 71 whatever. Mm. Um, and the US broadening that rally. Uh, I think these guys okay. are stabilised right. and at least have a platform for growth. Henry, seeing a, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for Magellan. Could be a train. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, Andrew thinks it could be a train. You think it's that shining light. Um, now, what, Richard wants a view on Solvar, uh, Henry. And if people are thinking, what the hell, Solvar? Yeah, I was. Um, uh, it's the old money three. Um, that ch- changed its name. It's, it's not a it's not a solar panel uh, group. Uh, Richard says, um, "What's the view of the panel provider of loans uh, for autos and and personal loans? May be a challenging period for the consumer, but dot dot dot." Well, I like the dot 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 because <laughs> I, I think it is a challenging period for the consumer, and I think it's going to be a challenging period for car loans. To be yeah. honest, um, you know, throughout COVID, everyone was buying cars and pushing prices up, etc. Yeah. Um, I think this one is in the challenging basket. I'm not sure why they changed their name from mm. Money Three to Solvar. And if you're going to change your name, pick a better one than Yeah, I know. Solvar. Maybe it's Solvar. You can't relate it. It just doesn't like some say companies should, should take a leaf out of the ETF book. Yeah, and your name should just tell everyone what Patriot you do. Patriot Battery Metals. Yep, 
You've got Patriot in there, everyone feels good, Mel Gibson movie. Yep. You've got batteries <laughs> and you've got medals. I mean, what yep. isn't there like? Solva, it feels like something you buy a, in well, Bunnings to yeah, do yeah. some DIY stuff yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, or um, to scrub your hands yeah, when, the, when they're this dirty. This one really doesn't do anything for me at all, I okay. have to say. All right. Andrew, does it do anything for you? Sadly, no, Koshi. Uh, and I, like, I can see why people are interested. You know, it's the old run your finger, belying my age here, you know, run your finger down the yield column and you go, oh, beauty, 9% fully franked. This yep. has got to be okay. Um, but if you then sort of have a look, uh, as Henry's saying, at the underlying sort of macro fundamentals facing the world, you know, secured and unsecured car loans where you're charging, I looked, actually looked it up, uh, 14% interest rates. Okay. Can't see many people sort of sort of rushing out the door to be doing that. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. The other thing, of course, is they've got an ASIC claim against them at the moment, uh, albeit five cases, but certainly, uh, you know, ASIC saying things like, you know, they uh, need to be looking at their training and their templates and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just a distraction for management. So, again, I can think of lots of yeah. reasons not to be there. No, thank you. Okay. Um, still in that space, though, the sort of the, the smaller end of the, the financial spectrum. Uh, Rod wants a view on Judo Capital, um, the Australian-listed bank focused on lending to small to medium-sized enterprises. Um, uh, when did it list? Founded in 2016, mm. uh, listed in 2021. So a relatively new listing, executive team, highly regarded. Is this any different to Solvar, Andrew? Oh, it's markedly different. The only thing that's the only thing that's similar is they're in finance, and that's probably yeah. where the uh, the comparison sort of ends. Uh, at a high level, I don't mind the judo model, you know, around technology. Certainly, um, the NIM, that net interest margin, and not that we talk too much about the big banks. Everyone sort of does that to death, but. Banks sort of work on what they call these net interest margins or these NIMs. So rising interest rates are positive for NIMs, or but equally so if they push up interest rates too high, people start going bad, provisions for doubtful debts blow out, NIMs have to come off, etc. The NIM on judo is around 3.5%, whereas the NIM on the average big four banks is sort of around the two, if not a little bit less. So yeah. face value, that's pretty attractive. But it's a sort of a one-trick pony, if I can put it that way, relating to business banking. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of surveys coming out at the moment. Uh, you know, that NAB survey that came out yesterday that yeah. uh, banks are, sorry, businesses are rather on strike, as it would be, relating to sort of investment and so forth. Again, this conference I was at last week uh, was supporting that, that it's the cashed-up consumers using their COVID money that's sort of keeping the economy going. It certainly isn't uh, businesses businesses can't even find people to employ at the moment. So mm. businesses aren't sort of doing the heavy lifting, it's consumers. And if judo is focused on businesses and businesses are under a bit of pressure at the moment for all the things we've spoken about throughout today's program, uh, you can see why the share price is under pressure. But I do like the technology mix. I do like the people who run it. I do like the NIM. Again, I think it's the macro that's doing them in. So right. it's a hold. Okay. Henry? Um, I don't mind judo. I've got to say, um, you know, it, it's it's trying to go, it's trying to carve out a niche for itself. It's got quite a big loan book now, about eight yep. billion, uh, and they're they're focusing on, I guess, the speed to some extent of how quickly the loan can be approved uh, over regular banks. Because because you 
you're out there, algorithm goes into your zero or MYOB yep. app, isn't it? Yep. And does all all the numbers and can come back and go, yeah, you yep. look pretty good or yep. I no, so right. Th- this is leveraging uh, technology yeah. in the finance space. And they, they've yep. been far more successful, I think, than a lot of people have in that fintech space. Yep. So I don't mind this one. Good profit, good, uh, good management. Uh, they certainly focusing on that speed of approval, uh, which you know when you look at the banks, they can take yeah. an eon. By the time and you get the money for your business, your business yeah. either doesn't need it for good reasons or for bad reasons. So. And particularly in a small business sector, sort of banks much prefer to go to the home loan market at the moment. Yeah, the hurdles you got to get over are know, ridiculous it's, in small it's, business. It's scary. I guess the the issue, as Andrew says, is the economy. Yeah. and how many of the loans start to become impaired and how big the bad debts get. But at the moment, that doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah. Although anecdotally from other people, we're, we're seeing that. What I find interesting as well is they're trying to become uh, far more mainstream. You know, like we have the Westpac yeah. Consumer Confidence Index and the National Australia Bank Business Surveys and all this. But Judo Bank are putting out their own surveys which right. I think is really interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of branding going on mm. and a lot of kind of uh, making themselves look big yeah. and established because they're not. They've only been around sort of five or six yeah. years. So I think that's good. The balance sheet looks great. Everything looks good. Um, I'm not sure what the catalyst is going to be for anything. I've got it in my small cap portfolio. I hoped that it was going to benefit from a big push into the business lending and the banks dropping off. But yeah. the banks are kind of coming back a little bit because mortgages are not quite so yeah. lucrative for it's them as they were. It's pretty competitive, and we've seen that in the banking environment. So they've all kind of pivoted, that wonderful pivoting yep. that we've seen. <laughs> so they've all kind of pivoted towards looking at business banking. So I think that's a bit of an issue for Judo. But if they can get approvals and harness the tech and leverage that technology better than the big lumbering so banks. It's still, still pretty confident. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's a hold. Right. But I'm not sure what the catalyst is. But if the economy, if the sort of the the the, the clouds part, and we see the the promised land over there through the recession <laughs> and and through the interest rate rises, then I think this one could do well. If you can hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's uh, recap our final five stocks: uh, the Global Clean Energy ETF. Hold from Andrew. A no from um, from Henry. Uh, o Media, hold from Andrew, a no from Henry. Uh, Magellan, sell from Andrew. Um, Henry can see sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Still a bit uncertain <laughs> whether it's sunshine or someone bending over or a train coming towards <laughs> you. Uh, but has a hold because it's um, on Magellan, because uh, the outflow of funds under management is starting to stabilise. Uh, Solvar, the old uh, money three, a no from both, and Judo, a hold from both. Um, Andrew Wyler from DP Wealth Advisor in Toowoomba. The the big thing I got out of today is that you do travel interstate out of Queensland. And you went to I was a spending conference. to a <laughs> in Melbourne, which, uh, well done. Bravo to me. And uh, Henry and I need to talk about the next catch-up for the members of his uh, group because I'd be very keen to uh, sort of uh, do that again. Plus, we've got to talk pens, Henry. I'm sure there's a few oh. pens that we need to be covering. Maybe, maybe even a little Lego. Okay, yes. <laughs> there's, there's lots yes, to I did, I did un- um, hear this. When are you going on your big Lego trip? 
uh, November. I'm off to Denmark and uh, about 80 people a year sort of get this uh, trip. So I'm sort of lucky enough to be one of the 80. We get to do the factory tour, meet management of Lego, a design competition, which will be a hoot for a numbers person. Wow. Uh, and excitingly, you get to stay at Lego Land, which is sort of like the hotel. The room is made out of Lego, thankfully not the bed. Uh, so, wow. yeah. Um, really okay. What, what, what is your favourite Lego structure? Ooh. Oh, it has to be the castle, um, right. Lego castle. So right. 375 is the lock number for those playing at home, 1978. Uh, but there's a most recent one that was brought out to, uh, this year as well, uh, which isn't too bad. So the initial one had about 700 pieces. The one that I just did had about 4,500 for those playing at home. Uh, but, yeah, the castle I'm very keen on. But the other one that I didn't mind building is the um, Van Gogh Starry Night. That one's a cracker too. Yeah. Is, well, there, is there an ETF for Lego? There's a, there's a video game one, uh, Henry, Espo, <laughs> but if there was a uh, Lego ETF, you'd, I wonder what the code would be. Oh, yeah, tricky. Yeah, yeah. Where, do, where, do you, um, where do you put all the pieces? Uh, do you have a garage full of them? or? <laughs> so I try to sort of have it throughout my house. Surprisingly, though, my wife, not so keen on that, hard to believe. <laughs> So currently it's my, my office at home, but it's slowly migrating into my daughter's um, play area as well. I will take over the house. It will happen, but I've just got to do it through subterfuge. The Lego house. Fascinating. Oh, I love it. All right, Henry, uh, have you got a date for the next performance no. of the All Sorts? Uh, it'll be in October. There's a few of us away for a little while. Right. So October. October. Well, I'll have to keep October. across the date. Uh, Andrew, you and I will go and be in the mosh pit and cheer him on. All right. I, lo I love the quirky backgrounds to all of these blokes. <laughs> it's just fascinating. It's an insight into their personality. One's Lego, the other fronts a band. All right. Uh, that's it for the show for today. Thank you for joining us. If you've got any stocks you want me to put to our panels, uh, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV handle. Um, more of Ausbiz straight after this. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.